Welcome to SAS Talk with Kim, your sustainability action series podcast highlighting how local governments are leading the way toward a more sustainable future. I'm your host, Kim Lundgren. I've spent the last 16 years working for and with local governments to help them create resilient, inclusive, thriving communities. I started this podcast series to connect you with the key people on the ground putting sustainability into action in their communities. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to SAS Talk with Kim. I'm your host, Kim Lundgren, and I'm really excited today to reconnect with a former client and friend, uh, Alicia Zatkoff, the sustainability manager with the city of Richmond, Virginia. Welcome to the show, Alicia. Thanks, Kim. It's great to be with you today and catch up and looking forward to talking with you. Me too. You guys have been pretty busy down in Richmond since we uh, finished your sustainability plan. Um, you guys won the Climate Protection Award from the U.S. Conference of Mayors. Was that last year? It was, yes, 2016. Fantastic. So obviously things are, are moving along well. So give us a sense kind of what, what's happening. How are things going? Well, as you said, we have been very busy, uh, just like uh, I'm sure my peers all around the country working on uh, climate action issues. And we have our RVA Green Sustainability Plan that was adopted in 2012 that you uh, helped us develop, and uh, we've been working on that, implementing a lot of the initiatives. We have uh, 55 initiatives under the plan. So uh, to date, we've completed 20 of those, and we have another 19 underway. And in terms of uh, our results, we've developed a set of 13 indicators that we use to measure our progress and sort of look at things at a higher level in the community. And right now, uh, 10 of those 13 indicators are tracking positively, which is great news. And those indicators are things like our recycling rates and uh, renewable energy capacity in the community, which uh, right now is up about 44,000%. Wow. Now, overall, yeah, it's a lot. Um, It's not a huge number overall, but in terms of growth rate, uh, we've just seen a lot of renewable energy increasing in the community, which is wonderful. So yeah, a lot of great stuff happening. That's fantastic. I mean, that's really, that's absolutely trending the way you would hope it would once a sustainability plan is released. Um, What, you know, it's, it's so important. We spend so much time on planning efforts. So to hear that implementation is, is going well is really for me, great to hear um, in just in general. And, Obviously, you know, you and I both know that the rubber really meets the road, right? When we start implementing the planning process is exciting and, it, you know, you get things engaged, but that's really just the start of, of the work. Um, you know, what have been some of the, the challenges that you're facing as you're kind of going through this implementation? We're now in, this is year nine of the implementing the plan. Is that right? Well, year five, Yeah. Oh, you're five. About, yeah. That's right. <laughs> I'm jumping like, the gun. It seems like nine years. <laughs> so now that you're five years in, um, you know, I think this is a great time to reflect on where you're at and maybe what some of the, the challenges that you've faced as you're, that you are facing while you're implementing your plan. Yeah. So all of those great results that we just talked about uh, have been very hard won and, um, 
things, you know, in the sustainability world do not come easy as, as practitioners know. And I think that, you know, in terms of challenges, there are many, but a lot of them boil down to, for, in my mind, to changing behavior, um, helping, you know, helping people change the way they do things. And um, so that's a lot of our challenges here in our, um, both internally within our city government, our various agencies, from things like, um, you know, making decisions about procurement or how we build our facilities um, and infrastructure um, and out in the community, you know, how do people travel from place to place and thinking about alternative ways and, and modes of travel to do that. So just, you know, the basics of, of making those uh, everyday decisions and changing behavior has been one of our biggest challenges. And I think another thing is um, within our city government is just a sort of the, the I call it the battle of priorities. And just when you have, um, you know, especially the last uh, probably four or five years of most localities around the country have faced, you know, with the economic recession and, and the way things have been just a even more difficult situation with um, limited budgets and resources. And so having to make these very difficult decisions about how to spend uh, money. And so sustainability, uh, having to fight against these uh, other very worthy priorities for how to spend uh, taxpayer dollars. And that's been another, um, you know, difficult uh, challenge. Well, and those are challenges that probably are ubiquitous, right? I, I have to imagine every local government is having those kinds of challenges. So, you know, it's, I think probably it's good for folks to hear that, okay, there's nothing that we haven't been dealing with already, right? Like we're always dealing with competing priorities. Um, so it, may, it maybe takes the scary part out of implementation to hear that, you know, these are some of the challenges. Priorities, you know, battling priorities is something we're already always trying to deal with. But you mentioned the changing behavior. And for me, that's, it's so interesting because really, you know, having been in this field for 17 years, it's it's really where we need to get to. Um, obviously, the local government's leading by example is hugely important. But at the end of the day, if we can't get individual community members to change their behavior, um, we're never going to meet our greenhouse gas reduction targets um, broadly. So, you know, I guess I'd be curious to get any thoughts that you have as far as you know, how are you attempting to address the challenge of changing your behavior? How are you quantifying that? How are you determining the effectiveness of your programs? Yeah, those are great questions. And we don't yet have the answers to, to those. I mean, and I, I think it's two, I think you asked two different questions. How are you attempting to, to get folks to change behavior? And then how are you quantifying or measuring the results? And um, I think the the quantifying and measuring results is a is a really hard um, question to answer, and I I don't know that there are that many communities out there that have figured it out yet. I think ultimately the the results sort of bubble up into sustainability indicators, and um, you know ultimately your greenhouse gas reductions. But to really get more direct measurements of of folks. Um, in your community changing their behavior, that's that's a really difficult thing to 
figure out how to do. And even the changing the behavior, uh, I think that's a very complex, um, you know, part science and, and part uh, art. And uh, you can spend a lot of time and money and resources to, to try and figure that out. And again, when you're strapped in a um, smaller program like ours, it's, um, it's very difficult to, to be able to do that. And we can benefit somewhat from peers in other cities that do have, um, you know, the um, opportunity to, to engage in those types of programs, but it, it makes it a little difficult as well to, to know if a program from another city will be successful in yours if you don't have um, the ability to really study and know your your target market. And so I think there's just a lot of complexity within the whole behavior change arena that we, we as sustainability practitioners are still trying to figure out. Yeah, and, and that's that's really fair. It's, it's obviously not an easy thing to accomplish. Um, and so many people say they want change, but don't actually want to make it right. So... <laughs> There, there is a lot to the to the science, but you know, I think there is one thing. I mean, we know from behavioral science that people, you, you can't change someone else's behavior, right? We have to, they have to want to change their own behavior, and there's certain steps that we can take to try to encourage that. And certainly, a local government can educate so that they have the information, they can have messages. But most importantly, you can kind of create that pathway for them for the change. So it's like, you know, you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make a drink kind of a thing. You can create that pathway. And, and it sounds like Mayor Stoney and, and, of course, all the work that you guys have done the past few years is trying to create that path where, you know, I know that the mayor had announced his um, 80% reduction of greenhouse gas emissions by 2050 goal. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Because do you feel like that's kind of trying to create that, at least show a pathway to, you know, what a future could look like? Yeah, exactly. And I totally agree about the role of um, government or local governments in helping create that pathway to change. And, uh, yeah, we're um, very lucky here in Richmond to have a, a very – energetic and very committed new mayor, Mayor LeVar Stoney, who started his term in January of this year. And within the first 120 days in office, he announced uh, RVA Green 2050, which is our uh, essentially new evolution of our sustainability efforts and a commitment to reduce greenhouse gas emissions 80% by 2050 based uh, for our community on our 2008 uh, initial baseline that we did. And so, you know, it's really showing his um, not only commitment, but understanding how important climate action is for our community and how it connects with some of the other priorities that he has in terms of making our community healthier and more economically competitive. And um, especially in our community, we have a really um, high poverty rate, 26%, and a, a 40% childhood poverty rate. And children are really another area of um, priority for the mayor. And so he's really taking a holistic approach to um, helping children succeed and to connect the 
health of children and, and sort of holistically with greenhouse gas emissions, I think is just really forward thinking. And so that's one of the, the things that we're looking at as we move forward with our RVA Green 2050 plan. And um, the other piece, which is great, which we really weren't working on too much with our sustainability plan, sort of version 1.0, is a focus on energy and how important that is in, in the overall emissions reduction. So we're going to be doing that as we move forward with RBA Green 2050 and, and looking at uh, energy supply, um, building use, energies in our buildings in the community, and energy in the transportation sector, and how that factors into um, energy reliability and resiliency in the community. Wow, that's amazing. Um, that's a lot of new stuff that you guys are adding on. Um, are you are you working with partners? How are you how are you getting all these projects done? I know it's kind of more of a logistics question, but um, I know you had had some staff, but I'm guessing you must be needing to do some partnerships to get some of these projects done. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, we have a very small office. It's myself and the sustainability manager, my position, and an energy manager and a management analyst. And so we um, work a lot with other city departments, and um, but very much focused on collaborative efforts within the community, a lot of partnerships, um, a lot of our sustainability initiatives from our initial plan are community-based and we're very intentionally developed that way through the planning process, as I'm sure you remember. Yes. <laughs> um, because, yeah, we knew that, well, one, we wanted the community to be very involved. We wanted them to have a lot of buy-in in the planning process and in implementation and really take, you know, ownership of what we were doing uh, as, as a city, as a community. And um, and that's really carried forward in implementation and definitely will will continue as we develop this new RV Green 2050 plan. But yeah, I think I think just um, by necessity in when you have a small office like ours um, and not a lot of resources, you have to be creative in how you um, get things accomplished. But mm -hmm. I think also just the nature of sustainability is very um, collaborative and things are so interconnected that you, you just um, end up, you know, wanting to work that way. And it just sort of happens as well. Yes, I can certainly relate to that. Um, one of the other things that struck me, and I was really happy to see this, I remember kind of the whole RVA green and, and coming up with your logo and the branding. Um, I'm so happy to see that that's kind of stuck with it. I mean, kind of speaking about behavior change like we did before, right? Having a consistent message and consistent look and feel is a big part of you know, getting to that behavior change when you're kind of on the branding marketing side. Um, it's very cool that you guys have kind of continued with that, with that overall brand. And I know RVA was is beyond that, but the whole RVA Green 2050, that's, that sounds like a great way to just continue this a similar message to your community members. Yeah, we, we um, thought so. And we really felt like the RVA Green has been something that has uh, become you know, recognized in the community and identified, uh, connected to our sustainability efforts. Um, we used it a lot. It got a lot of um, attention when we hosted the UCI International Cycling Race a couple of years ago. Yeah. That was a mass, 
you know, massive event that brought over 650,000 people to our city for nine days and um, was really just put Richmond on, on the world stage. And that was um, a huge um, venue for our sustainability efforts. And we won multiple awards for that. And really, you know, that having sustainability focused at that event really just made it such a um, success. And so RVA Green, we, we did um, RVA Green the scene for that. And so we've mm. really been able to play off of that RVA Green. So yeah, it, it's been um, worked really well for us. That's good. That's great to hear. So you are, of course, Richmond's first sustainability manager, and you've been in that position now through two different mayors. Has the position evolved at all? Yeah, I, I definitely I think it has to, um, to, to continue to be successful. I think when I first started, um, because it was a brand new position, the program, you know, there was no program. And so I, initially it, it was my role and the position was really just developing and creating the program, building it from the ground up, um, you know, figuring out what is it, what are we doing? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yep, I know, know that feeling. <laughs> right, and uh, just learning as we're doing and um, finding funding to, to get these other two positions, um, really just a lot of uh, capacity building, putting systems in place. When, we, when I started, when we started, the city was um, managing its, you know, 14, 15 million dollar a year electricity um, budget, for example, and paying with paper bills. That's where we came from. Hmm. We had no way of measuring what we were, you know, trying to manage. And um, so just putting in place systems. And then it's shifted over the years to, you know, working within city government on a lot of initiatives and energy management, saving money, which is always a of topmost concern to expanding out into the community and working a lot collaboratively with um, folks to um, do a lot of uh, cross collaborations and, and really a lot of multiplayer um, efforts to address a lot of our more, I, I think, complex and really longstanding um, issues that take, you know, a lot more work to try and resolve. So. Mm-hmm. Well, in speaking of uh, things that may take a lot of work to resolve, <laughs> there's there's been a lot of talk, of course, about lack of federal leadership on climate change and clean energy and, of course, the role that mayors are playing to fill that void and mayors and city staff and all that, um, particularly, you know, of course, with respect to the Paris International Climate Agreement. Um, you know, how important is that leadership role and, and how does that play out in a state like Virginia? Yeah, that's a great question. I, it's been very interesting to watch all of that unfold. But I, you know, for those of us working in cities and local governments, I, I think that we we know we've known <laughs> that the role of local leadership has um, always been important because we see, you know, we, we see what's happening. We see the the impacts of climate change uh, in in our communities. Um, here in Richmond, we, you know, we're actually getting ready to, in the next week, do, um, we have a grant to do a urban heat island impact study where we're going to have um, some volunteers um, 
teenagers working with a, a local nonprofit ride around on their bikes with GPS units and take <laughs> thermal measurements. That's great. Uh, which is going to be really cool. To, and then we're going to work on what are, you know, okay, what are, what are the differences and the variances? And then what are some solutions we can work on developing? So we know climate action. We know climate change is real. We know it's happening. And we know that cities and localities are where you can have the most impact. I think with the federal, uh, things happening at the federal level and sort of that void, what's happened, the change is now it's those of us outside of cities are starting to realize what we've all known inside cities. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so they, it's yes. sort of becoming more mainstream. Oh, gosh, cities is where it's at. And so in a way, I think that's the silver lining in the big cloud and that it's, it's drawing more attention to the efforts of cities. Um, and hopefully that will bring positive things in terms of, you know, potential funding to offset any lack of funding that's going to happen at the federal level. And it's also bringing more support. So, for example, here in Virginia, we, um, I have colleagues and peers in other communities around Virginia, and we just this year formed a, a, a formal network to help um, ourselves create more leverage to work on issues at the state level. We have uh, a general assembly, our legislative body at the state level, that's not very friendly towards climate action, and it's controlled by Republicans, both houses. And so it's very difficult for us in Virginia to get things passed at a state level. Luckily, we have a governor who is very uh, progressive and forward-thinking and supports climate action efforts. But, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a very different dynamic uh, in the next few years moving forward. And I, I think that for all the negative things at the federal level, um, a lot of positive things are going to be happening uh, at the local level and within cities. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and I'm thinking, you know, I remember back to my time at Ickley and we had a similar issue during the Bush administration. I think it's kind of just human nature. If you feel like somebody else is taking care of something, you kind of like don't worry about it as much. But when it seems like they're not everyone jumps to lead and because we had so many communities like Richmond jumping in early on during the Bush administration and then realizing hey this is actually good for our community this is good for our economy this is good for our citizens we want to keep doing this there's so much more now to work from rather than having to start from scratch right so it's I, I'm with you. I, I'm not too concerned. I know that we have a lot of strong leadership at the local level and the state levels in many states. Um, so there's there's opportunities. And I think, of course, at the local level is where we can really, as you indicated earlier, have a much stronger um, ability to help get to that behavior change. We're going to be much more capable of, of kind of creating that pathway than a federal agency might be able to. So... We'll keep our fingers crossed for leadership at the local level to keep driving things forward. So my last question for you is really just, um, are there any tips that you would give if someone's coming into a role like you did um, saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to start a sustainability office in our community. Is there any tip that you would give them, something that you could tell your, for, you know, yourself when you started in this role? 
<laughs> Don't do it. No. <laughs> She's joking, everybody. No. She loves her job. I'm just kidding. No, this has been the most rewarding, uh, the most difficult, but the most rewarding and meaningful uh, position and thing I've, I've done in my career. I, I truly have been really um, in, enjoyed it. Uh, what I would say is one of the things that uh, has helped me the most and is there is a national network of, of my peers of sustainability directors across um, North America, so the United States and Canada, called the Urban Sustainability Directors Network. And it's, it's a peer network, and we share information and best practices and work collaboratively to further um, sustainability around the world. And that um, joining that network was the best thing that – that I did and helped me so much because um, for people that have been there before me and doing things that uh, before I did them, it's just uh, a great way to learn and um, to also be able to know that, um, you know, there are shared experiences. And so it really helps um, just have a like-minded community as well. So I think that's one thing I would say is, is to find, you know, whether it's USDN or other professional or um, organizations, is to find your uh, sort of community where you, uh, you can uh, share and, and learn from others doing what you do. That is a fantastic tip. Well, Alicia, I can't thank you enough for taking the time today. It's so great to catch up with you. I am so happy to hear about the ongoing successes that you guys have had in Richmond, thanks to your leadership and your mayor's leadership. Um, we will definitely check in with you maybe next year and see how 20, uh, RVA Green 2050 process is going. Love to hear about that. Good luck with it, and thanks again for your time. Thanks, Kim. It was great to catch up, and thanks for everything you did to get, help get us started. Thank you for joining this episode of SAS Talk with Kim. You can listen to other podcasts in our sustainability action series at sastalkwithkim.com. Remember that action is the key to your community's sustainable future. What will you act on today?